Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0111 We are... Um, you know, it took a while, but the Detroit Tigers finally got their first victory yesterday over a team not named the Houston Astros. So it doesn't mean anything, but it just made me feel a little better to see the Detroit Tigers defeat someone else besides the Astros. Yeah, the Rays don't look like they're interested in losing many ball games right now. And they, the Tigers beat the Blue Jays, who the who opened a three game series today against the Rays. the The Blue Jays have kind of been a thorn in the side of the Rays for a while. So I, I don't. I, the Rays don't typically like to play the Blue Jays too much. Uh, now, Rays also had a pretty significant injury yesterday, Jeffrey Springs. That's going to be something to monitor. I, I saw that, and they already have Eflin on the IL. And of course, there's Glass now is on the, um, you know, probably not going to be back till late May. I think the last time I heard, sometime in mid to late May, is the is the prognosis. So right now, they they could be without three of their their five starting pitchers. You seen this right hander they created in the lab in Tampa, Kevin Kelly, that throws the ball from like the third base bag. I I, I saw his name, but I have not seen him pitch. It's un. I mean, it's just a, it's you. It's only Tampa Bay would have this guy. I mean, he starts his motion, and then he basically, by the time he lets go of the ball, he's basically standing on third base with how far from the right side, and then he just has about 47 feet of break coming across the plate. It's kind of hit me yesterday, and I don't know, it took me about a week and a half too long for this to hit me, that I'm mad at the Rays. Like, I drafted one of their prime closer options, and they're 13 and 0 and they blow out everyone. They don't have any saves. They just blow everybody out. So I'm kind of mad at them. Uh, I mean, how could you have their closer? They'd be 13 and 0 and I got I got zero saves. Well, I got Jeffrey Springs and that was working well, but now it looks like he's going to be out for who knows how long. Like so. what are they saying? Well, it's 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 uh, essentially one of those nerve situations where he's got tingling in the elbow and stuff, and so I mean, you know, it could be a couple of weeks. I think it could be a couple of months. Like it's one of those they're going to have to wait and see. But it, I, you know, especially with how cautious teams are with guys like that, I won't. Well, I don't, and I'm you not should be this. early in the season. But yeah. the Rays are like the Saints; they're always hurt. Like they are always got this huge list of injuries. It, 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 it is amazing. I mean, everyone's forgotten about Anderson. That cat ain't pitched in like three seasons. He has an unbelievable, he was pitching great before he got hurt. Uh, and he, you know, his career might be over. Who knows what the deal is. But no, it, look, the good thing about the Rays winning is that, um, you know, it's got some people interested in that storyline early in the season when after the first week of the season, a lot of people put baseball on the shelf and I get it. 
Um, there was people in Tropicana Field yesterday. Now, I saw new. a highlight with people. Like, what was the attendance? I don't know, but it was good, and it was a you know a, a day game, a day in game, the midweek against Boston, who is you know a brand, but not like not like Boston's having a great year or those. I mean, it was impressive. But I think there are a lot of Red Sox fans in that area. Right, right, but. Still, to, sh- to I mean, we're used to seeing Tropicana look like, you know, Oakland. And so I thought it was, uh, that was kind of refreshing, at least. I mean, again, when you're 13 and 0, I guess people are going to show up, but refreshing that well, so far. Well, not there. Re- not all the time, right? No, so. not there. They hardly ever show up. So, so far they're responding. So that's nice. Um, and well, you know, again, I, I have, it would be shocking. If when we get here Monday morning, the Rays are still undefeated. I mean, this is baseball. I mean, you know, you're going to get, um, you know, they the, the Piper's going to get you at some point. Like like yesterday, the Twins and the Yankees. You know, the, the Yankees owned the Twins forever. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see the Twins, you know, fight back a little bit. The poor, I mean, they just forever. They just they, they play the Yankees. They just wilt and and say uh, and, and just give up almost. But uh, they scored nine runs in the first inning. Of course, when you see that someone scores nine runs in the first inning of a game, the first thing that most people or a lot of people think about anyway is somebody has to be tipping or stealing signs or something. And again, we have this idea that stealing signs is this big, you know, beyond Watergate controversy, um, which was also silly. The whole Watergate thing was just silliness. But, um, but that's it's part of the game. <laughs> it's always part of the game. So I don't know. It's hard for me to believe the Twins' offense, which is not. A great offense. It's okay. It's not a great offense. They're not filled with a bunch of great hitters. Could score nine runs in an inning if something wasn't up. And again, doesn't mean that's not bad. Like you, that's your job to steal signs. That's your job to look for for someone who's tipping their pitches. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's been like that for over a hundred years. That's how the game is played. That's what you're supposed to do. Somebody, like there was a story that came out last week. The uh, Ozzie Guillen said the um, the White Sox had had all the Astro signs in the 2005 World Series. Um, that's their okay. <laughs> of course, if you have all of their signs, you won three games by one run. You won two extra inning games, and you won one game by two runs, and you had all of their signs. Seemed like you could have won by more than one run. <laughs> like again, I, I I think some people have this idea that if you if you if you have if you stole all the signs, you have this huge advantage, like a nine to nothing first inning. But if you have everyone's signs. And you win three to two or four to three. It's baseball. <laughs> it's just I just still don't understand. None of that has ever made any sense to me how people react to that. But anyway, um, nice uh, to see that yesterday. The Phillies lost again. Look, it's early in the season, but 
I just something told me I just don't think the Phillies are gonna better follow up on what they did last year. It's extremely early. Starts mean something because they're games. Uh, but you can what are they now like three and seven or something? And I just I didn't pick them to go to the playoffs, and I I just it when you make a prediction and someone starts out bad, then you kind of in your mind anyway, very now look, they could win the next twelve games in a row and, and be right in first place. I mean, we understand that could happen in baseball, but I um I just don't like I just didn't like the Phillies' chances of bouncing back. It's gonna be interesting to see what the Mets do because they haven't gotten off to a tremendous start and they're opening up a ten game road trip on the West Coast in Oakland tonight. And by the way, one of the pitchers that they could face, the Mets, tonight in Oakland, is former St. Thomas Moore Cajun left-hander Hogan Harris, who I understand has been called up to um, to the big league. So congratulations to Hogan, and obviously many of us know his, the whole family and, 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 and his mom who's real involved with Cajun and the Hall of Fame and his dad who's been an announcer for the softball and involved in several other things locally you know for for decades so it is um it's it's very nice to um to see something like that happen and who knows where it's going to go but it didn't take him that long to get up there again it's there's two ways of looking at things if you get drafted by like you know it's nice to be able to say the Astros right now because they've been so good. But the Astros or the Yankees or the Red Sox or the you know all these high-profile organizations, the Braves, it's nice. But in terms of getting to the major leagues, it's probably better to be drafted by a team like the Oakland A's who are constantly funneling out their best talent. And it gives you a chance to – your opportunity for upward mobility is so high. Um, compared to a lot of other franchises. And so does it mean he's going to be in Oakland forever? If he pitches well, pretty good chance he's going to get traded. I mean, really, that's the truth of, of the Oakland A's. If if Hogan does really well for a year or two, there's a very good chance, especially as a left-handed relief pitcher, if he can pitch well, somebody's going to need a left-handed relief pitcher that can get people out. So nice scenario for uh, for him, and congratulations uh, to Hogan and his family. And um, the only problem with Oakland is that's a fur piece from Lafayette. Um, the, there was there were already people who were making plans to go to Sugarland, like in a week or two. He was playing for Las Vegas, and they were going to be coming to Sugarland. So and let you know now. Look, guys go up and down all the time, so he could be in Sugarland in two weeks for all we know. But hopefully not. Hopefully he stays up in the big leagues for forevermore uh, for the rest of his career. It doesn't always work out that way. A lot of times you go back and forth until you're out of options and depending on how you pitch and all. But um, uh, the, the ability to see him in Sugarland in a couple of weeks may not happen the way the way after this call up, and hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully he stays. Uh, now Oakland will be in Houston. Um, not as many times as in recent years because of the the new schedule, but Oakland will be in Houston, and they will be in Dallas. 
or Arlington to play the Rangers. So that that might actually give them people who want to go see Hogan without having to travel to the Pacific Ocean. Um, might actually give you more opportunities to go in a, in a pretty short, you know, plus they'll go to Kansas City, which is not that far. And, um, you know, St. Louis uh, maybe once, depending on if they play. I don't know where they play the Cardinals this year. So that might give you more opportunities in the a lot closer than Oakland. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back and talk to our friend Nick Fontenot, who's probably relieved, but we'll find out next. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. We have with us our friend, Mr. Nick Fontenot. How are you, sir? Well, Kevin, I I thought about not doing this segment today, not because there's anything wrong. I just didn't feel like Nick. So I I didn't know if I I wanted to do it or not. Well, was it a situation where you just kind of fight? In most games, you as a fan, you fight, you fight, you fight, you fight, and you pace, and you fight, and you pace, and you fight, and then if you lose, then you're depressed about it. But in this situation, when it's the very end, it's like you fight, and you fight, and you pace, and you fight, and then when it's over, it's almost a relief because it's like it's over. Yeah, there's a little bit of that for sure. I mean, it's a little bit of, you know, I don't have to worry about all the stuff we were worrying about with Zion. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? When is he going to come back? Don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about these horrible uh, lineup rotations and seemingly puzzling uh, substitutions that Willie Green's making on a regular basis. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So, yeah, definitely a little bit of relief, uh, a whole lot of frustration. Just, uh, I mean, it's a microcosm of the entire season, right? Roller coaster up and down emotions. The last game of the season was that way as well. And, and, and the end of the season, going into the offseason, it's the same thing. No, nothing's been answered, and we're just kind of in limbo. So, yeah, relief. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to, you know, follow it. I can take a break from it, but but definitely a lot of frustration. Are you surprised? I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but it's just amazing to me how a professional organization can make, like, just major obvious PR gaffes, it seems like. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a problem. It's a problem that needs to be fixed, and it continues to happen on on a, on an every year basis. It's not. This is not the first time it's happened. It, it seems to be happening all the time, and it seems that you know the stuff that's going on, the stuff that you're talking about, the the seemingly uh, the locker room, I guess, dissension, if you will, is is something that doesn't really happen in other teams, or it, it seems like it doesn't happen other teams and it seems to happen so frequently on our team and it seems to be allowed or or even encouraged that, that these guys are able to do that and, and kind of not have a not have a, a, a singular goal in mind so so yeah these, these PR gaps are definitely a problem but I mean it's, 
it's it's symbolic of the entire the entire organization, and I, I just think a, a lot needs to change in order for us to get where we want to go. So, like, it, it's I know it it's too early to almost okay. They need to do this, this, and this, but like. There's so many unanswered questions. I don't even know how anyone says they need to do this, this, and this. Yeah, I mean, it, there is. There's, there's a lot of questions, and, 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 and it's hard It's hard to know what you're going to be able to do with that, with the uncertainty of your best player. What, what's, what's going on there? Like, what, what, what do we have there? Because you're, you're never going to – if you trade him, you're never going to get what he's worth. Because when he's playing, he's a top five or top ten player in the league. You definitely don't want to trade him. You want to keep that type of player. And then when he's not playing, his draft stock is so low and and the idea of him is so bad that you're never going to be able to trade him and get what he's worth. So you're kind of stuck with him. And I don't don't ever see it getting better. There's a lot of people saying he doesn't want to be in New Orleans. I don't subscribe to that. I don't believe that. I think he's fine. I think he wants to be in New Orleans. I, I just think there's something going on with, with him mentally. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that that's not legit. It, it, it might be. But, man, you can't, you can't do the things that he does in pregame, windmill dunking and, and showing off, and then, and then say you're not ready to play. Like, it just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and you're right. It's bad PR, and it's it just it really it almost adds to the sting of the season and the loss where you have your best player doing that kind of stuff and then oh by the way I can't play or I don't want to play it's just it, it's stuff like that so so what moves can they make I mean you're trying to build around this guy and you don't even know if he's going to be available or if he wants to be here so it, it's it's really tough to answer any of those questions that you might have and I you know I heard people say well because. You know, it's one thing to say on a football team, like the situation with Michael Thomas, that, well, you have to be able to build around him. And I and I, I kind of have the attitude right now that Michael Thomas is line up. Yeah, it's great that you restructured, but you can't count on him being there. But that's one out of 50-something players. When you Like I heard someone say, well, you have to – the Pels need to, act, need to have Zion, but build around him so they can win without him. Well – in a salary cap league with, with only a ex- few number of players, that that's basically impossible. Like, how do you how do you have this huge contract here, and we're going to build around you as if you're not here? You can't. Do, I don't know how you do that. You can realistically make an argument that Zion Williamson and his decision to to not play, or or whatever the case may be, there cost the Pelicans a chance at the NBA Finals. I mean, the West is wide open. There's no team that's going to dominate the West. And with Zion Williamson, they were the number one team in the West. And when he went out, they were a game and a half behind Denver in second place. That's, that's the quality of a team that you have if Zion Williamson plays. So his decision to sit out, his decision to not be there, I mean, who's to say that if, they, if he plays the last couple of games and they win, they beat Minnesota, they get into the playoffs, there's, there's nothing stopping them from making a run. We're talking about the Warriors and the Lakers making a run. They're the sixth and seventh seed. The, the Pelicans could have done it for the exact same spot or even higher. They're two wins away from being the four seed. Like, if this guy plays, they have a legitimate chance to make a run. Now, would they have made it? I don't know. But you can look at Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and, and C.J. McCollum and, and what Trey Murphy's done in his steps 
in the right direction. Herb Jones, second half of the season. With, I mean, you're looking at a team that, man, that, that that's a championship-caliber team. And his decision to just not play really cost them a, an opportunity to see what they could have done in the playoffs. It's really disheartening. And you're right, Kevin. Basketball's completely different than football. That guy makes the difference between your team having a chance to win a championship and your team at home right now before the playoffs even start. One player. One guy. I don't know if that happens in football, but it definitely happens to basketball. It's 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 yeah. I can. It, it it it's beyond frustrating. All right. Um, I think I asked you about Brian Branch last week, and I the as time goes on, like yes, yesterday I was discussing. It's funny because when we first started this Saints draft analysis. The three of the people that we heard the most, everyone's talking about defensive tackle, defensive tackle, defensive tackle. Guy from Baylor, the guy from Clemson, the guy from Pittsburgh. Those are the three names that I heard the most early on. And right now, in my mind, I've like crossed them off of my list. Like they're not even in my little whatever you call that in my mind. Again, what I say means nothing. We understand that. This is just for argument's sake, in my mind, I don't even think those three should be discussed for the first round. And and if you look at most mock drafts, one or two of those are in the second round anyway. Like, you might better get those guys at 40, maybe. Right. And right. so, isn't it that kind of strange the way that's worked out? Yeah, I mean, when we started all this, we hadn't made some of the moves that we made. And so, you know, the need of defensive tackle was a glaring need. Now it's kind of peripheral need. I mean, we have so many needs on the team that, yeah, if they drafted one, you, you can make it make sense and, and be okay with it. But, but they kind of addressed that need. So now it's not, not one of our needs. You know, I think my number one player that I want, and, and I kind of I heard Stevie P yesterday uh, say that it wasn't possible, and he's probably right. But, man, B. John Robinson is just the guy that I want. I mean, that's, that's who I want. And I just if it's not possible, then you kind of go to a secondary guy like Brian Branch. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. He's, he's undersized and all that stuff that they talk about. But you know you can't really you can't really fault a, a, a team drafting somebody from Alabama. Those guys have a great track record in, in the NFL, and so you know when you have a, a guy who went to Alabama and has that that pedigree of those professional football players that come from Alabama, and so so many of them do so well, you know I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset with that pick. There, there's there's a number of players and a number of picks that things could go with just because we have so many needs that I just I really wouldn't be upset with. And you could do a lot worse than drafting somebody from Alabama. Uh, and, in the, and, in the and, and, and here's the deal. Like, a third safety, if one of the two safeties don't play, then he's playing every down almost. Like, if you draft a guy on a rotational position like an edge guy or a nose tackle, well, a defensive tackle, where those guys are – you're not even playing that much. You really aren't. And especially if you don't just take the world by storm, you're really not playing very much. But if you're a third safety, if 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 you play, uh, if one of the starters are out and one of them's going to be suspended and, and and is always hurt anyway, then he, you're you're going to play. And even if you don't, you're still on the field a lot. And in the future, you're going to play a lot. Like you're talking about an every down player versus a rotational player. Now, now, Foot, that's some really deep analysis. Do you think anybody in the Saints building is analyzing it that way? Well, I sure hope so. <laughs> I 
I mean, I mean, you're right. You're, everything you said is right. But I mean, I, I, I didn't think of, I wasn't thinking about it that way. I wonder if anybody is really thinking about it that way because it's absolutely the way to look at it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we're looking for a guy to impact this season and be on the field for as many snaps as possible. Your analysis is dead on. I just don't know if anybody subscribes to that. Well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm trying to talk myself into it because, and that's what I do with these. So like, I tried to talk myself, and then I, at the end, I'm like, like I don't want any of these other guys that we. This guy Brian Brzee, he's always hurt. I don't need a guy who's always hurt. I'm tired. Of, if anybody has an injury history, and let it better be. Could be I just don't want. I, I've had enough of that. Like I, I'm over the top with the injured history, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't if, take if, it if anymore. Yeah, we need we need somebody to, to come in and play. We can't have a Peyton Turner where you waste our first round pick on him, and then we're we're in year three, and we haven't really seen the man play. I agree with that. I mean, it's just uh, we can't. I'm I'm done with that. Too much of that stuff. So yeah, I tell you what, I'm I'm now look, pretty good chance Brian Branch won't even be there. Pretty good chance Bajon Robinson won't even be there. But if they're there, I, I just I'm just. I'm starting to convince myself they need to go those two routes. But hey, hey, Kevin, one more thing: if you look in the last few, the last few years where the Saints have been good and impactful and made the playoffs, and, and uh, they have drafted rookies that made an impact on the field in year one. Now they might have been more complete teams than they are now, and so those, the impact that those rookies made maybe weren't as important. But you look from 2017, 18, and 19; like those those teams had rookies that made an impact, and I think that's what we're going to need this year if we want to do what we want to do. I agree. All right, sir. What sounds like you, 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 I mean, I get the frustration, but you still sound better than you did in some of our previous weeks. Uh, so that's good. And we, and now you've got the draft to look to forward to. You're a Braves fan, and your Braves are an elite team in baseball. So you got that to look forward to. So I think things are looking up now that the Pell season's over for you. I think when I get a couple of days away from it, it's going to be a net positive that the season is over, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. All right, Kevin. Thanks. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us our normal Friday guest, Mr. Tom Hafer of the McNeese Cowboys. How are you, sir? I'm great, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we didn't talk last week because of Good Friday. And so is it safe to say the the Southland Conference baseball race so far is not going as I kind of thought it would so far? Uh, no, not really. The Cowboys have not. Uh, they just haven't been as good, particularly the, the the Saturday and Sunday guys in the rotation have just not been as good as uh, we thought they would be. Maybe they've started to turn it around a little bit. They had a good uh, midweek this week and uh, got some guys out of the bullpen to get some work that they needed and, and pitched pretty well. Won two games. See if that carries on into the weekend. It's a difficult opponent. You know, Southeastern's good. Um, they, they are not as good as maybe people thought they would be or haven't performed quite as well, but they're good, and uh, it'll be a tough series on the road. I guess the good news about it, 
through the little bit of a frustrating, a couple of frustrating weekends there, like to, you know, to Nichols and then Houston Christian, where you didn't do very well in those series, is that nobody's got like zero losses or one loss. Like everyone's got at least two losses and, and, and really everyone else has more than that. So you're only one or two good weekends away from being right back in, in, in the thick of it. Oh, no question about it. It's still early and uh, a lot of baseball to be played. Uh, it, and hopefully the performance during the week maybe settles a few more of those roles that we've been talking about. I think it was a couple weeks ago you asked me, hey, are the roles all set? I said, I don't think so. And it got even less certain in the next couple weeks. Uh, but now uh, with the midweek stuff this week, uh, maybe they're settling in again. I, I really hope that's the case. Because it's uh, it's too early, or it's too late to say it's still early. Right. No. I, I absolutely. And and the Cowboys beat uh, Rice and Louisiana Christian, and 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 you know, I guess when I guess, well, you know, I don't know how big confidence is. I mean, you need to be confident, but baseball is a sport where, you know, the game kind of humbles you so much. I guess it's hard to be maximum confident, but it gives you some confidence going into the weekend. And plus, this is an old rivalry. And so I think rivalries spark a weekend motivation as much as anything. I would think so. And and if there's ever been, you know, a letdown weekend, it was that Houston Christian weekend. And, uh, you know, a lot of things went wrong and a lot of things uh, they didn't do well. Um, hopefully this is the opposite effect where you've got the good team you're playing and a rival and Coach Hill has got so much familiarity with the program, yada, yada, uh, that this is the time where every, everybody's got their uh, heads in order and, uh, uh, you know, the motivation and the intensity and all that's taken care of. Speaking of Southeastern, on the softball side of things, I kind of thought McNeese would run away with it, and I guess that's still very possible. You know, they're off during an 11-1 start, and everything's looking good. Except for you look at the standings, and, and you know, this Southeastern team so far is, doesn't look like they want to go away. No, they aren't going away. They're good, and uh, and they have, you know, they've got the pitching that they need. And, uh, you know, similar to what the Cowgirls have done, they've, they've just dominated on the mound. That, that's key. Um, and in softball, you know, the, the, you don't need a whole staff full of good pitchers, just one or two um, firing the ball well, and you can, uh, you can really get on some winning streaks. Now help me out here. When do they play? Oh, gosh, you had to ask me. I don't yeah. have the schedule in front of yeah. me. I, I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah, that, 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 that's no problem. That, that, that's no yeah. problem. All right, so, but, you know, I was looking in Southeastern's um, – RPI is 66, and so you know they they they've got a lot of win over 30 wins, so they're they're doing uh, very well. And so you know even if you don't sweep them, do you do, do, do you does the McNeese coaches and the people around the program feel like they're going to be okay even if they don't win the league? Uh yeah, I don't think they're really looking at at it that way, but yeah, I think they do. Um, uh, that's not really on there. <laughs> that's not in their thinking yet. I think they're thinking about Nichols this weekend more so than than that. But yeah, they're, they're you know their strength of schedule is good. Um, that's why you play those good teams in the pre-conference uh, season, and uh, it's to both measure yourself against those other opponents and sharpen yourself up for the good teams in your uh, in your conference. And then uh, it doesn't hurt that RPI moving ahead. 
And speaking of that, next week you're going to be hosting LSU. That's another gigantic opportunity to help that cause. Oh, no question. That, that place will be packed. Uh, it'll be fun. Uh, you know, that, that, that'll be uh, one where the schools, you know, the softball teams from around the area, uh, high schools, et cetera, will be coming out to see that. And, uh, you know, it's just it's great when we get to host uh, LSU in any sport. Doesn't happen in most of them, but in baseball occasionally, softball occasionally, we get to do that. And uh, we appreciate it from the Tigers. I mean, gosh, it, 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 is, a, it is a big payday. Uh, attendance law it helps the RPI. All of it's good, and you know we we know the LSU fans will, will from Lake Charles will turn out, and that will spur the cowgirl fans to make sure they aren't outnumbered. You know, absolutely. All right, one other thing going on right now is the off the field transfer portal talk with with the new men's basketball coach and program. It seems like they got a lot of big guards. I mean, what were your impressions yeah. here? Yeah, it's exactly what they did, and uh, and uh, these five that they got yesterday, or that they announced yesterday, they had really gotten them beforehand. They were all expected, so it wasn't any big surprises. Uh, but but you could tell these are guys that uh, that were very important to Will Wade and to his program. He's filling out his coaching staff now. There was an announcement last week, and then uh, you know we we expect some more of that as uh, you know the next portal t- period comes up. That we'll we'll see some more of those guys making the commitments. It's exciting. Uh, he has done everything the way he should as as he's gotten here, and and uh, you know he is out and about in the community. He is shaking hands and kissing babies and doing the things that that uh, he knows are proper for building a program. And uh, I like it. It's it's not, you know, Will Wade is not coming in as he's too good for this place. I'm LSU, yada yada. He knows what needs to be done and he's doing it. So. We'll see how that translates into uh, further ticket sales and excitement about the program. Well, I think the play-by-play guys got to do a lot of bio reading because this is going to be a brand-new team. Oh, yeah, no no doubt about it. And it, you get used to it. Basketball is not too hard. It's just like 12 guys you got to remember each year. But uh, but with the portal the last few years, you, you've still had to, to learn a lot more. And you're right. And the play-by-play the- play guy would, would be you'd learn – you know, you'd learn Northwestern State guys, and, and you'd learn Nichols guys, and you'd learn Southeastern guys. You wouldn't have to study as much, as much because every year, you know, you'd, you'd have five or six guys back, and, and that means the, the other guys you didn't have to But with the portal, it's all changed. You've got uh, you to do a lot of studying anyway. A- absolutely. All right, sir. Well, it's great catching up with you each week. I appreciate it very much, and you have a nice weekend. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach Foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 
as we head into a weekend of more baseball and softball and NBA basketball playoffs getting started. Um, LSU won handily last night. I, I don't know. I just looking at this Kentucky team, we talked about it Wednesday and a little bit yesterday. I just feel like all the signs pointed toward LSU getting their first sweep of the season. They got off to a good start, I guess you'd say, by by scoring so many runs. I you know, I don't we'll see how that plays out. But when I see a team that it has the kind of season that Kentucky's had so far and 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 they're like 18 and 1 at home. I, you just always worry about um like how, when you go into a hostile place like Alibox Stadium is you you I, don't, I just I just didn't have the feeling they were going to respond to that very well. And so far they haven't. Again, it's just one game. You know, baseball can change in a hurry from day to day, very much unlike the other sports, obviously. So we'll see how that plays out. But I kind of feel like that's going to be a sweep um, this weekend. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Cajun baseball, the thing right now might be um, the rain as we look and see a lot that, you know, I've been hearing it all week that Saturday's not looking good. Not looking good for Saturday. I don't. Really know what that means. Both games are scheduled for four. So it could rain, especially on the baseball side. It could rain most of the morning and early afternoon and still get a game in, depending on the lightning situation. Softball's a little more of a of a problem there. So we'll see how they tend to be very proactive on the softball side. You want to get all the games in, um, if at all possible. Sunday doubleheaders to me are pretty um, complicated compared to like Saturday's a doubleheader day, Friday, and depending on when a team arrives, Friday and Sunday doubleheaders are can be complicated uh, travel wise, and so. We'll see how all of that plays out. I think it's a huge series for both in that, you know, Texas State has a good RPI, so you want to win. And by the way, I mentioned it when we were talking to Tom in the last segment. Southeastern's RPI is 66, and Louisiana Tech's RPI is 74. That's two teams left on the Cajun schedule. That's That's better than I thought they were. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize I hadn't really paid attention to those two teams much. But um But no, that that that's good for the Cajuns. So really, I mean, again, they're they're not gonna play a lot of teams with any bad RPIs the rest of the way. It's just not like it used to be. Um where not every year, because look, there were some years there. Where, where Western Kentucky was very good, South Alabama was very good, and the Cajuns were very good. Now, the bottom of the league that those years were probably not good. I'd have to go back and look. Probably they had teams. I think the bottom of, of the Sun Belt now is better than it was then. But, you know, they had those years where Western was really good, South Alabama was really good, and the Cajuns were really good. And so the, 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 the top of the league was a little deeper maybe than it is right now. But the bottom now seems like you don't you don't have teams that are just um, 
you know, just really, really bad where you have your RPIs in the 200s and stuff like that. So that, that, that part is good. And again, my concern, some people disagree with me. Many people disagree with me. We found out yesterday that Craig disagrees with me very vehemently. He didn't want to wait for the question. He just, he was, he really disagrees with me. That's okay. Um, I just hope that all of that doesn't mean they're going to be like a 16 C. Well, you know, we'll, we'll worry about that when it happens and we'll discuss it between now and then, but no big, big weekend series. Um, you want to get some things heading in the right direction. And I, I heard a little bit earlier conversations between Raymond and, and Dawson. And I agree that you want to get things stabilized in the start and rotation. And, and, and there was a huge step in that direction against Marshall, but eh, I kind of don't know how good Marshall's going to be long-term. So I think this would be, a much better indication if your starting pitching does great this weekend again, then you can start, you know, I think really in both baseball and softball, but really in baseball, I think you're really starting to see what this team is going to be and can be a month from now. And especially if Max keeps hitting, I think you can, and when Kyle comes back, um, and if he can pick up where he left off offensively, you can see this lineup being very dangerous and having the ability to hit itself through a conference tournament. Uh, and then you can see the roles really on the pitching side really materializing, which has been a major question all year long. Because for a while, you just didn't know what you were going to get out of Blake McGee. Well, we're kind of starting to see maybe what you can get out of him. So it's... It's. I think it's got to, you know, I think things are, are solidified. So while I get the critics, look at the Cajuns and say, well, they really haven't played a very tough conference schedule. That's true. And their RPI is not as high as we thought it was going to be. That's true. And it may play out that all those criticisms are going to play itself out. But I think the opposite argument to that is, yeah, but the team was still scuffling in a lot of areas. And I think they're getting closer to being the team that, if they remain healthy, that they're going to be down the stretch. And I, I think they're just more likely to be able to handle a better schedule than they were a month ago. And so we'll see how that plays out. Um DeBarge, we didn't talk about it much Wednesday because every, a lot of people were so upset that they lost the game in Hammond. But he did pinch run in that game, so he at least got on the field. I don't know if he's going to be in the lineup this weekend, but that would be nice for sure because uh, especially, you know, when you at, look at what Taylor's done offensively uh, and then you look at what the kind of year – DeBarge was on offensively, and you couple that with Hood and, and and Carson is starting to hit, and Max is starting to hit. All of a sudden, there's not a lot of outs in that lineup, not a lot of outs, um, and so there it, you can see a more consistent brand of baseball coming up. And plus, we've we've gone on and on, and I, but I think it's accurate. I mean. 
DeBarge being on the field gives you an edge that I, I, I think has been missing. And so I think all of that is can materialize into a lot of good baseball from here on out. And if not, then, you know, it's going to be tough to swallow. And whether or not we think Troy's legit Sunbelt contenders, which I think is still up in the air, we kind of have said, they're 46 in the RPI. So, I mean, it's an enormous series as far as that's concerned. If you take two out of three or are able to sweep somehow, uh, you should be up into the, you know, near the 60 range, which is starting to get back into where you want to be. So, I mean, it's just enormous as far as oh, absolutely. accomplishing, again, that goal that's maybe an outside goal, but still possible of being an at-large team come the end of the year. I agree. One hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Entire hour of open phone lines. If you want to call the game hotline, great time to do it. All right. So there are a lot of people who are Pelicans fans, obviously. And we talked to little Pelicans earlier with Nick. But now that the Pelicans over, some people won't care about the NBA. Then there's another crowd of people who they don't really follow the NBA that closely all year long. But once the playoffs here, they kind of do a little bit. Um, the finality of it can be kind of, you know, it's just like a lot of people don't really follow baseball all year long, but when they get to the playoffs in the World Series, they'll watch. And um, I do think now that the NBA playoffs are here that there's some interesting matchups and and storylines and scenarios. I'm fascinated with the whole... Western Conference, like I've been saying, in that no one trusts any of the top three teams from the Western Conference. And so I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out. On the on the the east side, I just it's you know, there seems to be such a huge difference between the top three seeds and every and everything and every other team in left in on that side of the bracket. And so it'll be interesting to see if it turns out to be as chalky as it looks like it's going to be. So, you know, I'll uh, certainly be paying attention a little bit. We'll see how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev, what's going on, man? How are you, sir? Kevin, I got a question for you. When it comes to LSU baseball, just kind of like, it's kind of like you kind of nonchalantly say it, like, well, LSU should sweep uh, this week and, uh, even the past weekends, they should be sweeping. Not necessarily you're saying that, but, dude, they're playing teams in the top 12, 5, 4, 3, and 15. I, I don't expect them to really sweep anything. All these teams that they're playing are great. Kentucky has a one RPI, and they're ranked 12th in the nation. So I don't know where we, we should be getting their sweep, and it should be an easy weekend. There's no easy weekend, really, in the SEC. Would you agree? 
Oh, there might be a couple. They, they haven't played one yet. I, and I don't, I don't feel. I think, I think there's a a portion of the fan base because they're ranked number one in the country. That's pretty surprised no, I mean, when they don't sweep every week. But, but no, no I, I got total. Res- I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, that, I'm, you know, I'm a huge LSU fan. I don't expect them just because they're number one. That, that doesn't mean nothing to me. I mean, look at Tennessee last year. They went, lost six games. They lost to Notre Dame. Uh, so the best teams always don't win, but they're, they're, they're playing good and they're, everybody's gunning for them. No, I, so I think I think all mean, I think all of that's fair. I just think this Kentucky team. I don't know. I I, I was not surprised that Arkansas won a game. Certainly, um, I was certainly I was yeah. not surprised South Carolina won a game. I'll be a little surprised if Kentucky. Like if it was in Kentucky, maybe not. I'll be a little surprised if Kentucky wins a game. I will. Wait, you're surprised? Wait, wait. You're saying you're surprised because South Carolina won a game? No, I, I said I wasn't here? surprised that South Carolina won oh, a game. In fact, I think LSU got a little bit of a break. I, I think you know it's very possible they'd have lost two games at South Carolina because they're just. Uh, so hot right now. So I'm not surprised at any of the things that happened so far, but I'll be a little surprised this weekend if Kentucky doesn't get swept. I kind of think they're going to get swept. Okay, got one more question for you. Say, say if you put Kentucky in the Sun Belt baseball team, where they stand? Are they the best team in the Sun Belt? Right uh, I don't know. I, I mean, again, th- don't those things, um, I don't know what Kentucky's um, – budget is for baseball but if you put Kentucky in the Sun Belt with the same team and coaches or at least the same coaches then they wouldn't have those players probably first of all and second of all even if they did their facilities would probably be a little different Uh, I don't I don't know that they would be in in first I mean they might I mean um I don't know I, I I think those things are I, I, I think those kind of statements are pros. I don't think you can make those statements in in college sports, especially when you're talking about comparing mid-majors. Because, um, you know, if Kentucky was in the Sunbelt Conference, everything would be different about them. Um, and so that's just a different deal. I, I, I just – I don't think those are, 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 are applicable at all. It's just like um, – you know, obviously Vanderbilt is great in baseball, but in every other sport, just about it's like it's almost like they're a mid-major, and we see what happens. So again, that's just that doesn't even apply to me at at all. Now, because of the way baseball is, I think that's very different. I mean, obviously, if you're talking about you know, basketball. I would have. I would. I would have no. And like, if you ask a similar question like that in basketball, no doubt in my mind they would be in first place. Baseball, I don't know. Baseball's different. I, I think baseball is, is is different. So no, I don't. I don't know that automatically they would be. All right, again, the uh, game hotline is 706-0111, Astros play tonight against the Rangers. Martin Perez is pitching, and Martin Perez has done a lot of good things against the Astros. 
Don't feel real comfortable. Luis Garcia is not off to a good start. Now, that could change at any start. We understand that. But, um, but uh, no, I don't have a lot of good memories of getting a lot of hits over Mar- off of Martin Perez. They have had a few good games, but I wouldn't say a lot of them. And so a little, uh, well, you know, we'll see where where the um, where the Astros are. They haven't played great, but we talked about it yesterday. They were six and seven last year, and I've even heard some people complaining about how the you know the Astros hitters and how bad their lineup looks right now. And there are already people that say, "Oh no, we let we got rid of Yuli." And man, they the Astros have scored twenty two more runs than they did last year at this time. Or was it twenty like twenty two more hits? Maybe let's see which one was it. Uh, what we were saying yesterday, um, they no runs like they've scored twenty two more runs. I was correct uh, than they did last year through thirteen games. And people feel like they're not hitting the ball at all. And all these people, are, just chill, people. It's way too early to say that Jose Abreu signing was a bust and that. Getting rid of Yuli was this big mistake. It, it's it, it's it's amazing. I um I, I saw someone even was it yesterday or the day before an Astro fan still lamenting getting rid of George Springer and how that was one of the few mistakes that the Astros have made. I'm like, how can anybody now look? Did I like George Springer? Loved him. Do I still like him? Yeah. Do I, you know, do I feel bad when he does well? No, because I like him. But to say that that was a mistake to get rid of George, let George Springer go, it's just short. It's just incredibly foolish and short-sighted. Like, like, look at what the Astros have done since they got rid of George Springer, since they let him go. They won a World Series and lost in the World Series. <laughs> World Series like in no way is that a mistake that's just part of how you play winning baseball you can't sign guys like George Springer to long-term contracts when they're once they get into their 30s and think you're gonna continue to progress I mean it's just silly you I mean that's just crazy thinking and so as much as I'm not saying it's fun to let those guys go. It wasn't fun to see Correa go. Uh, how has Correa done since he left? He's theoretically almost made a lot of money, but he hasn't really done that much. How, how did how the Astros done after they got let Correa go? Um, they won the World Series, and the guy that replaced him was the playoff ALCS and World Series MVP. It's about a, a it's about putting together a team it's not about oh well this position is not as strong as it could be it's about putting together a team and are they better in center field would they be better in center field with George Springer yeah but how can you do any better than winning the World Series obviously it's about the team it's not about are you as maximized at every single position? I don't know. That just amazed me that there are people still lamenting getting rid of players when the Astros have proven that's how you do it. By the way, before we uh, we get to the break, 
last night, one of the cool things about, and I don't get to watch it very much at all, but watching the MLB Network, sometimes they'll go in and they'll, they'll either show a game or they'll go in and where you can see a, a little bit of a game and you get to hear announcers from other teams. And they were, the Padres were playing last night against the Brewers. And, and I, I didn't know who their announcers were, but I was hearing and I'm like, that's Tony Gwynn. Like, Tony Gwynn has been dead for a while now. Like, that's Tony Gwynn. What am I listening to? This is bizarre. I mean, I'm just telling you what was going through my mind is I'm, I'm like, that sounds just like Tony Gwynn. And then finally they went up into the booth and I found out it was Tony Gwynn, but it was his son. <laughs> and it's unbelievable how much his son sounds exactly like him talking. I was like, whoa, that was bizarre. I mean, I, I mean, because Tony Gwynn had a very distinctive, unique voice. It, it kind of like Mahomes. Like you, when you hear him talk, like they talk kind of different. Uh, just a unique voice and the way they talk and the sound of their voice. And I was like, that's Tony Gwynn, but it can't be because he's dead. And turns out it was Tony Gwynn. It was just his son. I was like, whoa, that was weird. But no, um, I, I, I don't get to a chance to do that a lot, but it, it's cool every once in a while to get a chance to hear some other announcers and how they do it and, and, and compared to what – you know, Astro or different announcers who are, you're a lot more familiar with and how they do it and how they sound. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline again, 337-706-0111. All right. So I've heard that our friend Dawson has this massive idea, plan to restructure the way the flow of the Major League Baseball season goes. Is Did I hear that correctly? I mean, that's that's generally the idea, yeah. All right, so help me out. Let me know. So the idea comes from, like, just, A, the fact that more change is going to take place. Like, baseball clearly is ready to to progress forward, um, and we saw that with some of the rules they changed. Now, in a way, they're turning the clock back while also progressing forward, and you've kind of mentioned that. It's getting back to the way baseball was played a long time ago. Um, but the idea came from the NBA that has done a lot in this area where they've created a play-in tournament at the end of the season for the last few teams in the playoff standings. I'm not suggesting that MLB does anything like that. I think 
the playoff format now already expanded in the last couple of years, and I'm not a huge fan of the fact that it expanded, but that's probably here to stay. But the other idea that the NBA is is looking at doing in the next couple of years is having a tournament during the season and creating you know just some extra intrigue around regular season games. And I think Major League Baseball could benefit from something like that. When you look at the success of the World Baseball Classic, baseball is also a sport that was made for tournament play. Like It just flows well, and in college baseball we see it so often with some of these tournaments. So my idea is not to change the regular season too much, not to change the number of games, but yet to designate some of these games in a in-season tournament that then would have some incentives for players and teams to play well in, like uh, checks to the players on the winning teams, something we've seen you know, in other sports in certain situations, like making all-star teams, and then also maybe compens- compensatory draft picks, something like that. But create, you know, basically NCAA regional type sites where the you know, league is divided into sections of four teams apiece. Um, and then you play in, you, now you get a chance to go on a weekend and see maybe four major league teams play in one ballpark and they're playing each other. Then if a team loses, let's say, and is eliminated from the tournament, they just play another team that's already been eliminated as well. And those are regular season games. And all these games count in the standings, but you have some sort of tournament champion at the end. Um, so something for June and July when the season is kind of getting into that middle portion to uh, just in, increase interest. So it's about getting teams on the same site. Yeah, that's the general idea. Like creating, that's part of it. One, it's it's creating interest for fans that say, I get kind of checked out in the middle of the major league season when you're not even close to the playoff race yet, but you're far removed from the beginning of the season. And then, yeah, the other idea is for fans you're creating this tournament-like atmosphere where you get to go to a park and potentially see four different teams in one weekend. I mean, I get that part, but what's the... In other words, what is going to make winning those games feel bigger than winning a normal game? Well, that's the idea of creating some sort of incentive where the tournament champion gets either draft pick, a compensatory draft pick, or, again, the players are going to receive bonuses for winning the tournament. The NBA's idea for the tournament is, is interesting, and, and what they're going to do, they've actually, I believe, already agreed to do it in the next few years, is basically designate regular season games as pool play games. Those are going to be, they're just going to be regular season games, but they're going to have, you know, going into the season, say, hey, these are your pool play games, and the best eight records, I think, then play in a single elimination bracket. So the tournament champion when will When is have, that going to be? I think it's in the next couple of years. I don't no, know. No, but I'm saying, when in the season is that going to be? It's around the middle point of the season, I think. I, I'm I'm just struggling with the concept of what are you trying to win? The end season tournament. Again, that's why I, the I, idea... I, 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 I'm just trying to process this. The idea isn't too much focused around improving things for the players in this situation. I think it's about giving the fans something, but then the the way you get the players to buy into the idea is that there's incentives for them to win it. But again, it's almost you're not replacing regular season games or adding games or taking games out. You're just changing what those regular season games then mean and maybe where they're being played. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I don't think I don't know if I would say I don't know if it's going to happen just because if the NBA does it and is successful with it, you're going to see other leagues try to follow suit because it's an opportunity for them to again make more money and market it as such. So the things. only real advantage that I can see is if you're in, you know, whatever site, you get to see some teams play that you never get to see. Partly that, yeah, but also, like, you don't think just adding significance to a game 
by saying it means more isn't going to add something. And again, rewarding those teams who win that tournament with something of substantial, you know, of something. I mean, the NBA is doing it, and I can't really figure out what other incentives they have in theirs either. And I know, like, I don't think it's necessarily necessary. To, it's not going to be like this is a mini championship. Like, obviously, you win this tournament, you're not going to be throwing a parade or anything. But it's something in the middle of the season that just kind of breaks up the long stretch of regular season play that you have. What did Raymond say about this? I think he was mostly on board. We, we talked. Now, I got more into the format and how I thought it was going to work and stuff. I got into a lot of the details of it, so we were kind of discussing some of those. Um, but I think also you take a look at what the World Baseball Classic was. And again, like, what was the incentive to win that? I, I don't know. It's cool for your country. You know what I mean? So that, but those games felt big. But I mean, that's national pride. I mean, that, that's just, you know, I hate the Olympics, but that's a similar type deal. That's just a national pride thing. So I just don't know what the, this would be what pride, like play match game for me. This, if this happens, it's for blank pride. I mean, for your team. I don't know. What do you mean? Like the other, the other incentive I had that we talked about with this is teams that are out of the race early, you know, and it feels like pretty monotonous and, and over and over again. And now you have something again. It's not like you're in the playoffs all of a sudden, but now you have okay. Here's a tournament. The players sit there and go, "Wow, we can win. Well, we can win a nice check if we win this tournament." The organization has the opportunity to potentially win draft picks. Now, again, they're unlikely to do it if they're bad teams, but of course, a major league team can get hot in a week. If you're not adding games then I don't have a serious problem with it. The only thing I wouldn't like is I wouldn't want my team, if I'm in contention, to be making any decisions for this game that they wouldn't ordinarily be making for a game at that time of the year. You know what I'm saying? I, I, don't, I wouldn't want that. And that's been the discussion a lot about the NBA situation, and I guess part of the reason for this tournament being created in the NBA side is because of how many players sit out that the idea has then been maybe we're again, again going to give them more incentive to have to want to play their best players in these regular season games. But I would agree. I don't think you want it to be treated as different. But that's why the idea that, again, once a team gets eliminated, they go back to just playing regular season games. But they'll we'll just do the matchups with the teams that are also eliminated so that the number of games adds up. I think the point that that would make is I was having a – discussion with a baseball fan friend today because we use the we throw the term bad around a lot so and so is a bad team and the context of the conversation was um the rays have played by all bad teams um and by the end of the year that may very well be the case but in the sport of baseball especially a quote unquote bad team can play great for a week or two I mean, that happens just about every year. I mean, even teams that finish last, most of those teams for a week, like, and if you pick out a week uh, to play this tournament, like a last place team could win that little tournament. Like if they, let's say we do what you're saying, it wouldn't shock me if, a last place team in a division won that little tournament just because everybody gets hot for for a little stretch. I mean, that's why baseball's a 162. It's about the long haul. Um, so I think that point would be made in, in, in a tournament like that. I just – as look, I mean, it seems like you're, you're really forcing it to be something, 
But if you want to do it, I wouldn't be against it if I'm not playing any more games as long as as long as I treat it for what it is. Yeah, and, and the only reason I really had the idea and kind of flesh it out is because I saw that the NBA was doing it, and I felt like baseball is the better sport to do it if there was going to be a sport to do it because tournaments play well in the sport. It's easy. It's not like football. Obviously, you could never do something like this in football because of the logistics of it. Um, and in basketball, it, it does work, and you, I guess you're going to see it. And you see it in college with the preseason tournament, so that's kind of a similar idea. Um, well, they had this similar type thing in basketball where the, they had like these mid-majors that started kind of, when was that, like three or four years ago, like there's, there was like this certain level where they picked a weekend and these mid-majors would play one another. Well, and now you still have a little tiny version of it in college basketball with like the SEC Big Ten Challenge where yes. you have these portions of regular season. Right. And that's why I've always thought the same thing. I've always thought, well, what does this matter? Like, is the SEC going to be all fired up that they won six games and the Big Ten won four in this challenge? Like, what does it matter? But I guess, again, it's just a way to kind of add a little bit of a layer of intrigue and get a couple extra non-conference games mixed in. But it is interesting, too, and, like, I've been hearing in high school baseball now, which, like, I don't ever remember hearing about anything like this when I was playing, which wasn't that long ago in Louisiana high school baseball, that there's now district tournaments. Yeah, the di- there's district. we're in the district tournaments. And what where I think that was born, because I think it started in soccer, I don't know how many years ago where teams didn't want to play the bad teams in their district. And so they went down from two rounds of district play to one round of district play because everything is based on power rating, just like RPI in in college sports. And so then you started having these teams where, like, you would play one round – and district games would matter for some teams and not other teams. And I'm like, what are we doing? This is insanity. And so it's like people don't want to have to, like we were just talking about with the in the last hour about the Cajuns and softball. For years, you didn't want to have to play the bottom one or two teams in your league because it would kill your RPI. Well, that's what these high school teams were saying. We don't want to have to play these teams that are terrible in our district because they hurt our power rating. So let's let's go from two rounds to one round. And now if you do this, then you, we can determine the district title by a tournament, which kind of has its own excitement level, Plus, I don't have to play two games against the bottom two teams in my league. That's where that kind of came from. Right, and that's been flirted with but not yet executed in college basketball when the Sun Belt, which I go back to, it was fascinating to me that it was happening, and then it didn't end up working out because, A, the net rankings were released, and that changed everything. But the Sun Belt, in case people are unfamiliar with this, had a proposal that was accepted and was going to be used where – Basically, three or four games out of your conference schedule was going to be left blank at the beginning of the season. And then once you had played enough games to establish an RPI, the conference was going to match up the best teams in the conference to play the best teams in the conference more, have an extra game against them, because their idea was they wanted to become a two-bid league. Do you remember that? Yes. And it didn't end up happening because the NCAA changed the ranking system and they didn't really know enough about the new rankings to think it would work. But that was going to be really strange, where you were going to have these empty dates and then the best teams, the top four, were going to have to play each other and then the conference standings were already going to be somewhat predetermined for the seeding for the tournament and everything like that. But that idea has been like messed with because, again, these conferences, again, it all comes back to making money, and they make more money if their teams are in the bigger events and stuff like that. And so it's funny to see like 
You don't see that, and you don't need it necessarily in the professional sports, but like those types of ideas have kind of been going and floating around for a while now. Again, it's it, it, to me all of having to do all of that is just. I just think college sports has a lot of logistical issues that pro sports just don't have. I mean, they just don't have. And, and I uh, am thankful for that. All right. Again, I uh, as long as they treated it all the same, I guess it doesn't matter. As long as it's the same amount of games and you're not adding games, you're taking away games. I guess the other people that be mad is you're losing home games. Somebody be losing gates at home games. I don't think they would like that too much. Yeah, I think maybe Oakland would be okay with it, but the rest of the league might. Yeah, not, Oakland and Tampa might, but I don't know if anybody else would. Yeah, that 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 part is true. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Well, that discussion bled over into the break, which happens sometimes, and it can, um, you know, be interesting. It, and it brought up another one of the ironies to me about what about the realities of professional sport. It's so funny because the 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 national mindset. And again, anytime you're talking about an opinion, there's a lot of people that are on both sides of it. But the national perception, because of all the money that's spent by over the years, the Yankees and recently the Punks and the and the um, and the Mets and the Padres and the Phillies, there's a perception out there that the lower teams have no chance. Which I guess you could argue that. And yet, the two salary cap leagues, the NFL and the NBA, I would argue there are more teams that have a chance in baseball every year to win the World Series than have a, than do the Super Bowl and the, the NBA. NBA. But isn't that more just a result of baseball being baseball? Exactly. That's why right. baseball doesn't need a salary cap. Yeah, I get it. And I actually like... I like that there's small market teams, and I like that there's built-in David and Goliath, so to speak, like college sports in baseball. Like I like that aspect of it. I think it's a, that's why it's so amazing, and why there should be documentaries about what the Rays have done and what the A's did for a while. So I get that part of it. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I, I, I I'm not one of the people that says they need a salary cap. I, I'll agree on but, that. But you know why they don't need a salary cap, right? Why's that? Because of the Piper. The Piper evens it out. Okay, you you had me, and now you lost me. The 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 piper is the thing that there there really isn't a piper in uh, the other sports because, um, I mean, there's elements of it, but a quarterback completes seventy percent of his passes. A great free throw shooter makes you know a high percentage. Of his of his um, 
you know, a, a you know, a great field goal shooter, especially if you're an inside player, might shoot 55 to 60 percent from the field. You know, none of that happens in, 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 because the Piper takes care of that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev. Good morning. How you doing? Oh, I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. I'm my, I'm my, my dreams of getting safety branch from Alabama, I think, are quickly fading. He Why? Was the guy that I just think he's going to go. I think Green Bay, he's got too much of a gauntlet to run to drop all the way to 29. But, uh, I mean, if he's there, I think they got to take him. I just got a feeling Detroit may look at him. Green Bay oh, may look no, at I don't him. Believe, I, I don't I, believe that. I, I think the com- a lot of people think the commanders might take him. But I don't see them going very many other spots. Like, And, again, I'm not saying they're not going to take him, but it's going to shock a lot of people because very few people – I see very few mocks where he's going other than the commanders. I could see Seattle taking him. The commanders are definitely in play. I think Green Bay is in play. Uh, even as you get right before us, the Giants or Jacksonville could snap uh, – I just don't think he's Jacksonville. I agree. Jacksonville. I agree. I don't know. I just and I'm hopeful. Look, I can when I first did that that first mock three round thing I sent you. I was hopeful. I try and find guys that I think are rated higher than where we picked, but may fall. And I thought he was the guy that may sneak through the cracks because of his size. And I think he's the perfect fit in our defense because he can pretty much play any defensive back position. And he's super smart. I mean, that old football IQ, whatever the hell that means. The Saints are real big on drafting smart, versatile people, and he's a perfect fit for us. I'm just, I'm losing faith that he'll be there. But who knows? I haven't done my second mock yet. But there's look. How it, would you feel? Go ahead. Look what? No, I'm just yeah, saying. Listen. Running back and safeties are not first round positions for most teams. So these guys that we're fascinated with, Bashan Robinson and him, those are not first-round positions, so a lot of teams are not going to pick those guys. And that's kind of what I was counting on, and you actually gave me the perfect segue because Robinson ain't going to be there. He was our original pipe dream. Boy, could the Saints actually get him. And, and look, my nightmare scenario is he ends up with pick number eight at the Falcons. And that may sound crazy, but the Falcons head coach is Arthur Smith, who we know how he used Derrick Henry in in Tennessee. And I could see him saying uh, Robinson is basically that cat. Probably better because you can leave him on the field on catching down. So that's going to break my heart if the kid ends up in in Atlanta. I just don't want Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson there. I'd rather them have Bajon than those two guys. Well, I, I, I... Bajon was my fantasy guy, just not 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 fantasy football, but just in a dream world that he right. fell all the way to twenty nine, and the Saints took him. How would you feel about the Saints taking Gibbs at twenty nine? The running back out of Alabama, and everybody's so enamored with Robinson that we're kind of overlooking the guy that's really close behind him, and is also a three down back, very productive, played at a big school. And that's a sneaky spot where you could take that running back real late and get that fifth-year option on him. And he's a really good play. He's a guy that's kind of either projected very late first round or early second round. So I'm hoping to get him at forty. That's I, I'm hoping, and if they don't pick a running back in the first round, which I don't think they're going to, uh, because I don't think he's going to be there. I, I I think he might be there at forty. 
And when I was doing my tweaking my mock, because I think Branch is gone, and originally I had Spears, the running back from Tennessee, I mean from Tulane coming to the Saints in the third round, I, I kind of put Gibbs at 40 also, Kevin. I just don't think that will happen. I think he goes real high in the second round if somebody doesn't take him in the first round. Primarily Arizona could take him. I could see the Rams taking him. I could even see Seattle taking him, even though they got – a pretty good running back right now. Their problem is they're so used to injuries. I just think Gibbs is being overlooked with all the yeah, Robinson but he's not. He's is, not an every down. He, uh, he's not a Bajon Robinson kind of a back. So I, I no, think it's very possible that he could be there. Bajon Robinson's a top ten, if not a top five player, and because yes. of the position, he's going to fall. So I agree with you on that. But Gibbs is really good. In a boy, I'd, I'd be doing cartwheels if he fell to forty, and the Saints took him. Uh, I just I'm starting to lean toward um, Will McDonald starting to look like he may be there a defensive end when we pick, but look, uh, uh, changing subjects. Are you familiar with Cephas Johnson? That sounds familiar. Why he, he right? was the quarterback at South Alabama? Oh yeah, yeah, and then yeah, Transferred yeah, yeah. to Southeastern. Yeah, and and I'm I'm read I've read. Six articles on the cat basically saying he's the next Taysom Hill. Oh, come on. No. I'm telling you, it's, I'm, it's like these guys were no. mocking, were, were mimicking each other. I read no. one, okay, he's the next, can play everything, can play tight end, can play receiver, can play running back, can play quarterback, can play special teams. And, and multiple articles are saying, watch this guy in the sixth or seventh round. Uh, he was originally I'm not, not buying the one drafted, but they're just saying he may be the next Taysom Hill or slash type player. I'm not buying it. Let's let's go back well, to Brian okay. Branch and Jamar Gibbs. <laughs> That's why I'm saying uh, just uh, keep an eye on him because uh, it's one of those names that it'd be fun. Uh, I'm not, least, not, you know, not not to, not to not 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 buying happens. it. Not but, buying it. Let, let me get one more in. Thanks, Joey. Have a good weekend. You too. All right, let's go one more. Hello. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Hey, I think uh, I love listening to you and Dawson talk about the Piper. Okay, the Piper is real, but he's not real, Kevin. <laughs> we both know that. And I think that's where Dawson Dawson thinks you think that this guy is actually real. It's just odd, dude. I mean, it's if a cat's hitting 300 and he hits 450 for three or four straight games, he's He's not going to hit 300 in the next couple of games because the odds are going to average out. Right. That's the Piper. Yes. Am I correct on that? Absolutely. It's okay. it's not about whether that that is true. I'm just saying it's not because of some. And I'm I know he doesn't actually think that there's a man that's stealing people's hits. But I'm no, saying no. I'm just being <laughs> yeah. funny. Though. No, but no, the yeah. different the difference, Ryan, is he doesn't he believes every game is independent of itself, and I do not believe Which, that. No, but. I don't necessarily believe that, but I think there's there are factors that lead into one another. But like seeing the ball well and being on a hot streak is more so than just the averages are going to dominate. I think that's where you see. And as an overall team, when you start to add up, like there's this many players on a team that are creating these you know games where runs are scored overall. I see that yes, it is more likely that they're going to score less runs the next game. I just don't think it's because. It's because the averages have to average out. I just think it's because it was always more likely. It was unlikely that they were going to score 10 in the first place. That was already an unlikely event. So it's but, not that but, it's more but, likely. What you're not looking at is if everybody's swinging it really well, it is more likely that they're not going to score zero, one, one or 2 runs. 
It's not likely that they're going to do that if every if so many guys are swinging it well. But the reason why they do is because you just the difference is if you do exactly what you're supposed to do in the other sports well over fifty percent of the time, it's going to work out for you. But in baseball, you could hit a ball 115 miles an hour and it's a double play. The worst thing that could possibly happen to you in that situation could happen if you execute perfectly. And then That's you can hit the a single that drops for a two-run base hit. Yeah, with two or runs. you could do nothing and get and and, and get a game-winning, you know, two-run, three-run double. That's the difference. I just I, I enjoy listening to y'all. All right, so Thank you. another question. Yes, um, why did they have divisions in the NBA now? Like Miami's in a playing game, Good right? Question. They won their division. So what's the point? No, I agree, and really, no one. If you look up the standings, like on ESPN.com, it's always in conference play. Like, divisions right. don't matter. You're absolutely correct, yes. Yeah, they just need to get rid of the divisions, Kevin. Yes. I mean, that just don't make any sense. I agree. All right, my friend. Good talking to you. You too. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Something that fell through the cracks that I meant to discuss, I think it was yesterday. The end of the, when the Heat played the Bulls, and they missed all them free throws. First of all, this is an NBA team. Well, I think they were 16 of 32. They shot 50% at the free throw line and lost the game by just like a handful of points or less than a handful of points. That is inexcusable for someone who hates missed free throws and hates missed field goals. Yeah, they were 18 of 36. Oh, 18 of 36. It was 50%, something like that. Yeah. So 50%, they lost, They missed 18 free throws and lost by what, three or four, four maybe five points? Four points. All right, that's first of all, that's inexcusable. Second of all, what got a lot of play at the end of the game is DeRozan's daughter was screaming. So if I started thinking, like, if that really works, then why wouldn't every team have a designated screamer? Like, this, there used to be this cat in the Rays game that you could hear him because there's no one at the games, and he would just drive the other team bonkers. Uh, because he would do all this cr- saying, all this crazy stuff. So, man, seemed like every team would do it. Or is it a situation if everyone did it, it wouldn't be effective? Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, professional athletes, I think it's a funny thing. Like, every once in a while, something weird like that will happen, and it works in that situation. And again, I don't, does it work or did it? Like, Siakam's a 77% free throw shooter. He missed six free throws in that game. I mean, he went five for 11. I mean, it's crazy. It was strange, yeah, but. I don't think no. I don't think every team's going to get a designated screamer. I mean, you think also like the what Vanderbilt has the whistle guy that everybody can't stand college baseball, and like I think you know at times it gets on the nerves of oppositions. I don't think they play worse because of it. But would they prefer if he didn't do it? Probably. Well, maybe you could do it like I don't know. 
10 or 20 times a year, not every home game, and just ha- you might as well try Well, it. I have always thought of that. Like, I've actually had that thought where when an entire arena is loud and everybody's yelling, like, it's really kind of, like, counterproductive. I mean, unless it's, like, super, super loud. Yeah. Like, for football, yeah, it makes sense when guys are trying to get the plays in the huddle. But, like, in the NBA, if the whole crowd's yelling, you know, okay, I'm shooting my free throws. I hear it's, it's white noise. But if it, everybody went silent, and you just had the guy with the biggest voice just yell at random points, then you might actually mess with Now, could we get a whole 20,000 people to be disciplined enough to do it like that? Maybe not, but I think you might be onto something. A college setting, it might work, because you, you could convince the college kids to, to play along. I just was, I started thinking somebody might need to look at that. And again, I think if you did it all the time, then it would defeat the purpose at some point. But might might be... Um, might be something to look at. I, you know, again, I guess we'll never know if that's why they missed the free throws, but it sure seemed like it was messing with them. And plus, I just, I mean, I like when the team that I'm rooting against misses free throws, but how can an NBA team miss that many free throws? That just amazes me. And and to and it, for for your season to end that way, that is just brutal. Now, again, they're in the East, and it's top-heavy, and they weren't going anywhere anyway, but still. All right, should be an interesting weekend. Hopefully the rain cooperates. Y'all have a nice one.